This podcast is brought to you by Aetna. Learn how Aetna is working to build a healthier world by visiting aetnastory.com. Hi, it's Doro, and I'm so excited to announce that the Achieving Optimal Health Conference is just around the corner on October 26th at Georgetown University. For our Health Gig listeners, we have a special offer. If you sign up by September 20th, you'll get $50 off your ticket. Just go to AchievingOptimalHealthConference.com and use the code HEALTHGIG. Get ready to create a happier and healthier life story. People are yearning for information. Having the opportunity to encourage people and to educate people and inspire people. It's amazing to be able to say we'll carve out time to take care of ourselves. There's something for everyone. Virginia Williamson is a dear friend of my sister-in-law, Laura Bush. We all met Ginny on the West Coast of Florida, where many in our family have taken her yoga class. In fact, she actually came up to Maine and did a yoga class for us there. What strikes us about Ginny is that her inner beauty matches her outer beauty. In our podcast, we talk a lot about people and where they come from and the stories of their life. I was fascinated recently when I heard a little about Ginny's life story. Ginny, we are thrilled you're with us today. Well, and I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you. Ginny, we just thought maybe we could start where you are now. Tell us about your life, where you are, what you do, and anything you want to share with us. Well, I'm very lucky and happy to be in a career, really, where I am passionate And get to go to work every day and do what I love to do, which is teaching yoga. What kind of yoga do you teach? It's Hatha yoga. So Hatha yoga is the form of yoga that incorporates the exercises. So whether it's called Iyengar yoga, Hot yoga, Bikram yoga, Ashtanga vinyasa yoga, whatever it's called, it's all Hatha yoga. Okay. Interesting. Yes. And and that is the exercises. So when you say it's a hatha is the exercises, what is that? So is it, would it be the tree? Would it be the? Yes. All of those are the Uh, yoga exercises, tree pose, uh, triangle pose, downward dog, downward dog, warrior one, warrior two. There's some of the more Mm well-known. And when you talk about yoga to people and I can see how excited you are about it. What do you recommend? How often do you think they should do yoga? And what are the benefits that you see from people when they practice yoga regularly? The benefits that I see mostly are improvements in sleeping Mm. and breathing, actually, Mm. and learning to use breathing techniques to become more mindful and to relax. That's one of the things I noticed about Ginny's classes is that it's, she's constantly reminding you to breathe. Can we talk about breathing? Because so mm-hmm. many people don't breathe, right? It's a shallow mm-hmm. breath. So mm-hmm. what would be a proper way of breathing? If we're well, in the class, how do you describe it? It depends on your position. So if you're reclining, if you're lying down on your back, there's your abdominal muscles and front core muscles can be relaxed. And so then you would want to allow the abdominal muscles to swell on the inhalation Mm -hmm. and draw in on the exhalation. Now, this happens naturally. And because you're relaxed, it can happen naturally or it may happen naturally. When you're standing, 
you need those core muscles to be engaged to keep you upright. And so there's not quite as much freedom, but we still want to uh, get as much diaphragmatic breathing. And, and so the evidence there might be in the rib cage, expanding and retracting the rib cage in and out through the nose as much as possible. Although there's really no harm in exhaling through the mouth if you're habituated to that or find it relaxing. Some people are taught to relax by having a long, open mouth exhalation. Right, right. The vision that I had when you were saying we were reclining on our back is that of a baby, right? Exactly. Exactly. Watch a baby and you'll see how they gently expand on the in-breath and retract on the out-breath. And if we could get back to that. Right. It could free up a lot of, it does free up a lot of tension. Right. Because it's just really getting oxygen, more oxygen into our bodies yes. and breathing. Yes. And stretches some muscles at the same time, just naturally. Mm. And mm. also provides a focal point for the mind's attention. Mm. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Mm. Yeah. So, so I think it's useful to, to use words even to slow the thinking mind down use the words inhale and exhale to help you stay focused on the breathing. Yeah. So often we talk about the monkey mind, right? Yeah. So even, and so in yoga class or wherever, even meditation, our minds just are like this, right? So you're saying you could actually use your breath as your anchor. Absolutely. And just say, okay, I'm coming back to this. Yes. Which means deep breath in and then try to go out your nose. Try to breathe in and out through the nose because that that is the instrument that's made for breathing. And it's because... It has the, the structure to warm the and clean the air on the way in right, right. and on the way out. Mm-hmm. Right. And we just get into a habit of breathing through our mouths oftentimes. Oftentimes, yes. Mm-hmm. Especially, I think, when we're um, focusing, concentrating. I think there's mm-hmm. that tendency. Do you think it's true that you can't be stressed out when you're doing deep breathing? Is that? I think you can find a way to be stressed <laughs> yeah. out yeah, that's true. if you really, you know. I mean, yeah. it, it happens, but I think it's it's a huge help yeah. in yeah. relieving stress because when you're focusing on your breathing, you're really not thinking of anything else. Right, right. So that right there is a relief. Right. And then there are those. You know, I don't know so much about how to describe the endorphins right, right. That, that get sort of released right. and help to relax the mind. Right, right, right. And, and just actually, and the nerves, the actually, nervous system. Right. And actually, Dora, you talk a lot about this through my mindfulness and meditation that it is a muscle. Right. right. It's a muscle. It's like anything. Like if you're learning to play the piano, you need to practice. And exactly. so breathing and staying in the present moment is a practice. It's a practice. And and yoga is a great tool to help get there. Yes. But as Doro is saying, it's a practice. You have to keep coming back to it, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's when I was telling you, Tricia, about Ginny's classes, which I know you've taken. Mm -hmm. And you will remember that every other word out of her mouth is about the breath and about breathing and come back to your breathing. Right, 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 right. Such an important thing to do. And, you know, we were talking before you got here, we were talking about the idea of the practices in our, on our mat. And then really the goal is to take it off the mat. Can you talk about that? That's right. Yep. I think again, it's a practice. Mm -hmm. And the more you practice, the more it becomes part of you. Mm -hmm. And then when you leave the yoga room, you're still hopefully armed with those tools 
to return to when when needed. Right. When needed. And in the beginning, you forget. Mm-hmm. And right. then you remember, oh, yeah, my breath. My breath. Right. Yeah. So how did you find yoga? When did you start? And I found yoga about 28 years ago, just before I was pregnant with my first child. And I looked for something. I was never very athletic and (laughs) I didn't like sports, but I knew I needed to exercise. So walking was my main form of exercise. And then I don't know, I just sort of stumbled into a yoga class at an adult education community center. Mm-hmm. And I was I was astounded. Wow, this is this is an activity that I can actually do. <laughs> I obviously was lucky enough to have a good teacher. Right. And right. it was a gentle class and I felt successful. And that's huge yeah. to feel successful in something that you're not very good at. Right. Normally. Right. Usually. Right. So I found it as a form of exercise and I used it as a form of exercise for quite a while, probably about six years. I just okay. didn't know any better right. that there was any more to it than exercise. And then when we moved to Florida, I made it a priority to find a yoga class. And again, I got really lucky with a wonderful teacher who was 85 years old at the time. Oh, and wow. She, <laughs> and she just stood at the podium and read her, her sequence notes and did not demonstrate or anything. But she did a fabulous job. And then there came a time where I thought I could use a little extra money. Mm-hmm. So I was a stay-at-home mother, basically. And, and how uh, many children do you have? Two. Two. So my second child had been born by then and was in preschool. Right. So I had a little time and somebody said, you know, you would be a good yoga teacher. And I thought, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I had my teacher's sequence memorized. I practiced at home oh, even. And I asked her permission to teach and she said yes. And so I started with, you know, five people in an office and then it grew. It just grew and grew. Just and then it just became a bigger part of your life. Yeah, I would wow. call it my career now. Career. So what happened then was that I discovered that there was such a thing as as certification. And I thought, oh, that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> so I took a certification program and got liability insurance right. and started to teach more and more. But I was able to teach around my children's school schedules. Right. Which was which was great. Lucky. That's right. nice. Mm-hmm. That's and then they grow up and they're out on their own and and now it's uh, even you know, I'm busier than ever. Yeah. Right. Right. It's as you say, it's your career. Mm-hmm. It's what you do now. Mm-hmm. It's so neat to talk to somebody who's passionate about what they do. I know. And I something feel... that's so good for you and so good for us when we get to take a class from a great teacher. Right. It's such a gift. And it's wonderful that you have it as in because we, we often talk about what the next season of life is. And it's so great that you have what your next season is, you know, and you yes. can expand on it. And I think yeah. a lot of women suffer when their kids grow up and yeah. they're sort of left with what do I do now? Right. Right. And we're saying, too, that people are going to be living longer, much longer, because yes. science can keep us alive. But the question is, how do you want to live? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yoga is a great place for people to begin at any age. Mm-hmm. At any age, mm-hmm. exactly. It's never it's never too late. It's never too late. If you can still breathe, you can right. practice yoga. True. And even if you were to lie down in a yoga class with other people doing the more active exercises, right. 
and lie there and And just focus on your breathing, you'd still be getting a lot out of the session. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I wish more people would believe that. Right. And then can join in. No, it's true. Everybody has their life story and we all come from someplace. And your life story Mm -hmm. is really interesting. Do you mind sharing your story? Not at all. I'm happy to. And yoga has been such a big part of my healing process because my life was a little rough or a lot rough, maybe. (laughs) But it's all, I mean, I feel content now. So I have no problem talking about it, sharing it and hoping that people will seek yoga or seek psychotherapy, Mm -hmm. you know, to... um, Help to get better. Through. Yes, yeah, to, to help get them better. through because everybody's got something. Right. Everybody has suffered yes. some way in their life. It's true. And so finding your own healing journey is really your responsibility. Yes. You know, we can spend a lot of time talking about how we were hurt or how we were a victim. But when you decide to make your journey about healing, it changes everything. It changes everything. And you're the only one who can and do it. And you are the really. only one that can. Right. It is all so about true. stepping up and taking responsibility yes. for your life. Yes. But yeah, please it's, tell us. It's um, easier. I don't know. Well, I shouldn't say that because I don't really know. But I do think that some people are stronger than others somehow. Mm-hmm. Right. And so my life. Yes. So I was born. <laughs> That's how it Thankfully. <laughs> we're glad. I was born to my mother, my parents who were very young. My mother bore me before, just before her 15th, 16th, excuse me, oh. 16th birthday. Jeez. And my father was, I guess, 17. So they had me and then they went on to have four more children. And were they married at the time? They were married. They got married. Well, not at the time I was conceived. Right. After you were born. But they were married by the time I was born. And so then they had four other children. So five children altogether. I'm the oldest. And it was, a, as you can imagine, I mean, they were teenage parents. So So lots of chaos in the household, lots of impulsive, erratic unpredictable behavior. Did they finish high school or did your mom? You know, they didn't. No, Mm. they didn't. So, and my mother was a very troubled person. She had been stolen actually as a child from her family of origin in Tennessee. There was a woman who went around stealing children and it's well-documented she would take them from their homes or from daycare centers or from hospitals. And then basically it was a black market adoption organization. So my mother had, was a twin and she had four other, they had four other siblings. And one day this woman came along and asked if they would like to go for a ride in her car. She and and her twin sister. All six of them. All six children. All six piled into the car, went for a ride, oh. and never went home. So all six children. Yes. So they were all transported to this orphanage in Tennessee, Memphis. I forget the correct name of I the think, organization, yes. but you have it. Mm-hmm. So they were there. And Tennessee Children's Home Society. Thank Does that you. sound right? Yes. Yeah. That's it. That's the one. And so, and there's a huge scandal all around that. This was happening in the 20s, 30s, and 40s. Mm -hmm. So eventually, 
my mother and her twin sister were shipped up to my grandparents in Philadelphia. How old was your mom then? Six years old. So they were old enough to recall a, a lot of the events you know, being stolen and then being in the orphanage, which was not fun. Mm-hmm. And then being told that their siblings will join them in Philadelphia on another train. And of course, they never, they never arrived. So my mother and her twin sister lived with, were adopted by my grandmother and my grandfather. And they lived in uh, Philadelphia. And then my mother was well, it's hard to conceive of not being right. seriously troubled by that kind of right. situation. Right. But she sort of, I would say, held a chip on her shoulder and unfortunately took it out on my shoulder. grandparents. Wow. My aunt, on the other hand, appeared to have a more practical attitude about it. And she, so my mother was kind of a troublemaker. She got mm-hmm. into trouble a lot, got pregnant, yeah, and got married, yes. had five kids. Mm-hmm. And my aunt did things a little bit more conventionally, went to college. and Was it just the two of them? Just the two of them who got adopted okay. together. All the other ones, you know, we don't really know what, what happened? has happened. Laura told me recently about mm-hmm. um, a website or an, a company that you can send your DNA to. Oh, and yeah. 23 and Me. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. To, to discover more about maybe relatives who are hanging out. Wow. Out there. Oh, my gosh, Jenny. How old were you when you found this out? Well, my mother... You talked earlier about yes. that this a, would be... An obsession. An obsession. What we were talking about earlier was that I said to Ginny and to Doro, I said, if this were me, I would be obsessed. I would be constantly looking it up. I would be, it's just, I don't know how I would deal with that. I, I mean, that is a lot mm-hmm. to be taken away from your parents, your family. And then as a daughter of someone that, I, I don't know, it just is way mm-hmm. too much to put my head It's around. a lot. It's a lot. And my mother was obsessed. Yeah. And so she talked about it constantly from, I mean, I don't remember ever not knowing it. it. Maybe not to the degree that I do now um, in terms of a lot of the details, but she told us the story from pretty much day one. So we were well aware of it. Was she on speaking terms with her adopted parents? Yes. Okay. So you, they were a part of your life. Oh, yes. Oh, that's thank you for bringing that up because my grandmother, I feel as though she was a huge, huge stable factor in my life and my aunt. Mm-hmm. I brought I brought a picture today oh, uh, to oh, show good. you I would love to see of, it. of them. So my aunt and my grandmother were definitely positive role models for me. Mm-hmm. And then I was lucky, too. I just you know, bumped into nice people all my life. Right. Uh, My, so I'm the oldest of the five children and I don't know, somehow I just was always a little more mature minded, I think, Mm -hmm. even as a child. And I did not obsess on it, Mm. but I heard the story constantly. My brother, and then I just should back up a little bit because my parents, obviously, that is not a marriage made in heaven that didn't last. So by the time I was 11, they were divorced. And 
my mother found it hard for to deal with five children on her own. So oh. she put us in an orphanage. What? Oh, oh no. Five I didn't of get you? to that. No, <laughs> I didn't know that part. Shall I talk about yes. that a little bit? Okay. You were 11? Yes. So we were taken. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> the good news is it's in the past. Right. And I've dealt with it. So we were, this place was not really an orphanage. Mm -hmm. It was a a temporary home called Christ's Home in Warminster, Pennsylvania. It's still around. And it apparently on their website now, it says something about a home for abused or neglected children. We were told that it was, we were going to be, staying there while my mother got herself yeah. on her feet. Mm-hmm. So we were separated. I was in, went into the being 11. I went into the big girl's house and my sisters went into little girl's house and my brother went into the boys area. So they had a school there. They had a church there. I, I mean, it was not a terrible experience right. for me. My sisters and my brother weren't as happy. I mean, I wasn't happy there, but it wasn't terrible either. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of ways, it was more stable than being at home. home. That's what I was going to ask you. Yeah. So we were then removed from there and then put back again. With your mom? uh, Well, away from my mother. Oh. So yeah, we were, no, we were removed by her. Yes. We went home with her her. Mm -hmm. and then went back again during another troubled period And then she remarried, and we lived with my mother and stepfather. And how long of a period was that, from 11 years old to... I would say till about... It's really, you know, it seems so long. Right, right. But I think it was only about two years. That's a long time. But it is a long time at that time of life. Yeah, yeah. Any time of life. It's even longer now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Two years. So... um, did you have to spend a lot of time forgiving your mom or was yours not? That we, kind of- my sisters and I forgave my mother over and over and over again. We really did. I mean, you know, we knew her story. And so we always let her off the hook Yeah, because of that. Right. My brother had a harder time of it. And my brother did end up killing himself at age 34, mm. leaving behind a wife and child. And he just, you know, I was talking earlier about some people have seemed to have the strength and others don't. Yes. And he just didn't. And he really, I don't think, had a happy day in his life or any frame of reference. Right. How, where was he? So you're the oldest. So I was born and then 14 months later, he, and then that's sort of how it went on down the line. Yeah. Ah, Ginny. Yeah. So it was tough. Mm-hmm. And, but the good news is mm-hmm. that through talking about it, I mean, there was a period of time when I, was, I couldn't talk about it. I was ashamed. I would imagine. So you're in school and you... Oh, that got, was a big secret. I mean, yeah, no Did one. your friends at school no. know? Were you able no. to have friends home over? I was embarrassed yeah. to have people over. Yeah. Although I, you know, I, I had a good friend who... It was okay. Right. But I didn't, I never really told her the whole story until we were deeply into our friendship, maybe years, Mm -hmm. five years, maybe. Were you, were your sisters, were you able to 
Like, did you guys bond together? Like, was there a group? I think so. Yes. I think we bonded and we talked about it constantly, constantly. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. And it was your your kind of secret as a group to carry and protecting. Was it a feeling of protecting your mom or was it more of a feeling of what was that feeling? Good question. Not for me. I was um, annoyed by it after a while. Right. It got old. Yes. Yeah. I think each of us had, sense. I think my brother yeah. had that feeling right, that's of what I was protecting. And, As the only son, yes. I'm totally projecting here, but I would imagine he probably felt like he had to carry so much. I mean, his father was a young father, a teenager. Mm-hmm. I mean, imagine. Mm-hmm. And then my mother made it very, my mother was, she was a, a trip. She made it very hard for my father to visit us. So we <sighs> saw very little of him. Right. And so he wasn't in our lives. Are your mom and dad still alive? No. So they're, they're both, both rec- recently dead. Mm-hmm. And how was your relationship with your mom, like the pat right before? Or- Just a couple years before she died. So she lived in in Port Charlotte near me. And as I said before, we forgave her over and over and over and over. I mean, I can't even count the number of times that we justified and rationalized and Mm -hmm. forgave. Right. My mother still was behaving the same way up until, well, I'm 65 years old. So when I was 62, I just finally said, you know what? This is crazy for me to tolerate yeah. someone treating me this way. And so I, I call it, I divorced her. It was <laughs> right. not a legal right. procedure, but I basically divorced myself from her. And it was very, very painful, very hard to do right. for the first year. The second year was easier and I felt a lot of peace, but she was still alive. Third year, she died. And do you know, my first thought was that now she can't hurt me anymore. Mm. Yeah. And so I'm still in the forgiving process, Mm -hmm. really. Yeah, right. And it's way easier for me. I know it's not easy for some people to forgive or resolve things after their parent is gone. But for me, um, it's easy. I can actually be more generous now because she can't hurt me anymore. Right. It's almost like you didn't have a choice. Right. Well, it was my choice to do that. Right. Yes, and I right. almost didn't have a choice. Yeah. Right. In well, a way. You know, yeah. we talk a lot about living in fear and then living in love. And to be able to live in love from a place of love is, again, a practice. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm just sitting here imagining what that would be like. You said, she cannot hurt me anymore. Mm-hmm. But your mother, mm-hmm. you know, I just. I know the the, the person who really shouldn't be able to hurt you or want right, to hurt or you want at to all. hurt you right and i don't think she want, wanted no. to she was compelled i yes. think she was meant i mean she was she was mentally ill did she spend a lot of time trying to find her birth mother i mean did she spend that kind of no, it wasn't like that she no. was a victim a full on victim full on victim so she was going to chose to stay being a victim, a victim. and mm-hmm. wanted her children to basically take care of her because of that because That's of how that. i interpret the, yes, the yeah, situation yeah. Yeah. And no therapy, lots of suicide attempts, lots of hospitalizations, but never following through on any therapy. So, um, and meanwhile, her mom and dad are trying to support her. Your grandparents and her sister are supporting her as much as they can. mm -hmm. They did stay in each other's lives and 
And they tried to support her as much as they could. She, she was very, very difficult. <laughs> this is what's so fascinating. And, and again, how we can explore this, I think Dora and I do this often, is how you can take a situation mm. and change the way you look at it. And therefore you live from a different story. You live from different thoughts. And you really seem to have that in spades, mm-hmm. being able to have children and be a mother and change, you know, with a role model that clearly was not what you would want to be. How did that affect you as being a mother? Well, you know, I, again, from a very early age, somehow just, deeply yeah. inside, I knew that I should be opposite of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's really how I modeled my mothering yeah. of my children. Right. To be opposite of what my mother was. Mm-hmm. And so. So in that way, she was a great teacher. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. And. You know, I I do believe that people are in your life for some reason. You know, I don't know what the reason was necessarily, Mm -hmm. but, you know, I certainly learned. And it was an interest now that there's all this space and hindsight. It was Mm -hmm. an interesting experience. I wouldn't want to do it again. (laughs) Right, right. But you can certainly say you lived. You can certainly say you had. If we look at our lives as experiences, Mm -hmm. holy Toledo. (laughs) I feel as though I'd lived a few lives. Yes. Yes. Oh, I could see how that would be. Yeah. Yeah. Totally different lives. Totally different lives. Absolutely. And I really credit a lot of it, of course, to yoga, Mm -hmm. but prior to yoga, to psychotherapy. And Mm -hmm. I was lucky, again, with yoga teachers, I was lucky. With therapists, I was lucky. And I say, talk about it. Mm -hmm. Right. When you can. When when you you can. can. Oftentimes, when we are out doing what we do, the idea of just putting a light on that darkness which takes courage, which takes moving out of fear, which sometimes might not ever happen in this lifetime. Mm. It just feels as though nothing's that dark. And once the light goes on it, and as you're saying, talking to people, getting support makes it not so Mm -hmm. bad. I mean, to carry that in the dark would be a lot. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, there were times when, as I mentioned before, I was ashamed. I mean, there must have been something wrong with me right, to right. be in this situation because I think that's how children think. Right. And I could not discuss the story without be, becoming tearful and, right. you know, still, I guess, sort of in the story. Right, right, right. And in that story. It seems like to me, just hearing this story, that somehow God gave you sort of the gift of maturity or Mm -hmm. gift of wisdom, even when you were little. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And how, I'm so happy he did. Me too. You know? Yeah. Because I I don't know how you could, I mean, it would be a tough, tough go if you didn't have that. um, Stepfather, any healthier? Or was he not really? No, but he wasn't horrible, right. you know. I mean, right. you hear some real horror stories. Right, right. But right. no, I would say no. I mean, any man who wants to marry a woman with five kids yeah. Yeah. has to be nuts. No. <laughs> <laughs> Did all of you go on through high school? Did everybody stay in school? I went into as far as some community college. Yes. My sister Peggy went she graduated college with a bachelor's degree. That's great. The, then I have two younger sisters who each got their high school diplomas. Wow. So everyone um, stayed in and, and got, yeah. 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 Not, you know, but education wasn't really encouraged by my mm-hmm. mother. My grandmother was a teacher. My grandmother 
totally encouraged education Mm -hmm. and, in fact, would have paid for our educations, I'm sure. She would have had a lot more to do with us if she had been allowed in. Mm. So, and she did actually, my tuition to community college was paid by my grandmother. Wow. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. but most of our learning, our education, I think has been by the seat of our pants. Mm -hmm. I don't just self-study. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. And so the yoga and the meditation you can see probably really is even more deeply ingrained in you than maybe a normal life situation. If I mean, there you is get to, one. right there is one. <laughs> well, there but really is this idea that's that, true. In a way, it really works because if it works on situations like that. Exactly. Well, you know, you know Trish, I mean? that is such a good point. Thank you for bringing that up because I Not often that we're comparing, but I often feel like you know what? If I can do this, right? Yeah, you can too. Right. 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 And really, all it takes is focusing on your breath. That's an oversimplification. You've got to keep practicing Mm -hmm. but the focusing so yoga is very psychological i mean it's a philosophy that developed in india as you probably know five to eight thousand years ago it's a philosophy Mm -hmm. the hatha yoga exercises came along later in order to strengthen the nervous system and relax the mind enough to meditate so the philosophy is the mind and the body exactly. is connected. So yes. that's really what yoga is? Is yes. that the unity of the mind and the body? And yes, the unity of the, yo- of the mind and the body and even really the divine source right. and the return of wholeness to yourself, within mm-hmm. yourself, mm-hmm. self-realization. And so through yoga practice, and, and luckily I had had all that psychotherapy before I was certified in yoga, where I discovered, oh my goodness, this is psychology. Right, and so right. that made it so exciting because it's sort of endless. You can go right. forever, right. you know, to just doing work, doing the inner work on mm-hmm. yourself. And it's really just, you know, introspection. And, and then there's this, what happens, I think, at least for me, is there is this space that develops between who I really am mm-hmm. and what experiences I right. have. Right. Mm-hmm. That you are not right. The, you're, that I'm not the experience. You're not the experience. And so then it's so much less painful. Right. Right. And we are and not it, our thoughts and we are not our right. experiences. So true. Wow. Mm-hmm. That is an incredible story. I know. Have you thought about writing a book? I'm sure everybody yeah. asked you. From uh, the yoga that would be fun, but I mean, I have no ambitions yeah. to do that. But <laughs> I wouldn't mind, you know, telling my story to somebody who thought it would who be interesting would be enough good. to write about. I think it's just the idea that you you created a life that. I'm assuming this, they created a life that you love. That I love a, my life. I you do. You can I'm, see I'm, that she, mm-hmm. I'm really content. And, you know, uh, and, and that, therein lies that miracle. Yes. Like, therein lies a miracle that you have created this life that you love. Mm-hmm. With all the things that could take, so you could have chosen to do something else. As you said, you were lucky and fortunate and all that, but you have a life that you love. And, and we all, I think, strive for that. You know, and and I think what I'm hearing you say is you found it from within. I found it from within. And I think, you know, there was some luck Mm -hmm. along the way. And then, but attending to that luck, Mm -hmm. recognizing it as the choice to make, Mm -hmm. 
you know, rather than rejecting it. Or, right. Right. You talk a lot about gratitude right? and the, and the importance of gratitude. Mm-hmm. And it feels like your heart was able to be open enough to feel gratitude. Well, you it know? became open enough. It, became it was, open. Uh, I was not always, <laughs> right. yeah. but you always this well-balanced. <laughs> yeah. But Unbelievable story. Unbelievable thank story. You. Thank well, you for thank sharing you that. Thank you for allowing Just me to share beautiful. it. I'm honored. It's beautiful. Um, so, Ginny, we ask all... <laughs> now we're shifting. We're shifting gears. <laughs> and we ask all of our guests on Health Gig some of these questions that we're going to ask you right now. So what book do you think everyone should read? Autobiography of a Yogi mm. by Paramahansa Yogananda. Got it. Okay. Can't if you're that. interested yes. in, you know, metaphysics. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay. If you could tell your 30-year-old self one thing, what would it be? To just let yourself off the hook sooner than you did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, know that you're okay. You're good. What's your favorite meal? <laughs> Probably pizza. <laughs> I'm with you on that. Um, Ten years from now, what are you doing and what does your world look like? I think 10 years from now, my world looks pretty much the same. Maybe a a few less classes, teaching a few less classes, you know, and yeah. Yeah. Just be just slowing down a teeny bit more. If you could sit next to anyone tonight at dinner, who would that be? Well, (laughs) probably Laura Bush. (laughs) (laughs) Because we Wonderful. have such fun together. Yes, and, uh, you do. I, I enjoy being with her so you much. You all are similar in a lot of ways and your gentle mm-hmm. kindness mm-hmm. and all that. So I, I can understand that. Jenny, thank you. I know. Oh, thank you. This was such this an so honor great. for us. To really an thank honor. you so much. Hear your story. story. It's it's an interesting story. Yeah. How are so, your children with the story with that story? Are I, they, in- they they know it. Yeah. But when I talk too much about it, they tune me out yeah. and or or outright tell me, you know, they've know. heard that before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're sympathetic to a degree, but very pragmatic about not attaching emotion to yeah. it. Right. Interesting. <clears throat> that generation does have, it seems like they have that ability. Yeah, so, they do. Yes. We try to get a lot of sympathy from our kids and they're like, what, what's your problem? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on Health Gig. We loved having you with us. We hope you'll tune in again next week. In the meantime, be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast and follow us on healthgigpod.com. I'm Trisha. And I'm Doro. Be well. <laughs>